Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. Today, we're going to take a look at Madness. The band Madness. Not just some random madness. So, today, it's a six-truck show. It's cold outside, so there's no super fans outside from early doors. Well, not e- it's not even open yet. And um, let's go over what the stage is looking like on the inside. So... Stage left and stage right, you've got two sets of line arrays. You've got the main line array, and then you've got a small line array pointing 45 degrees out to give the surround sound. You've got a load of massive bass bins in front of the stage, four giant bass bins in front of the stage, two either side and uh, two in the middle. And it's going to sound pretty loud, I think, with the size of these line arrays as well as the uh, bass bins, it's going to be pretty loud. You've got two big video screens either side of the stage and they're tapered so uh, it gives the impression that they're bigger than what they actually are from the uh, tapering. The screens are high res, uh, ultra HD and they're looking pretty sharp. Then either side of the stage, both stage left, extreme stage left and extreme stage right, you have some theatre style flats that are translucent and the translucent gauze cloths are of uh, towers and behind each uh, clock tower is more screens. You've got other mini screens in the windows of some of the set flats which are pretty good. It's looking pretty tasty and uh, very theatrical. I I really have to say that. It's looking pretty good. Lighting bar wise you've got standard backlights, middle stage lights and front house lights. The moving lights themselves are uh, LEDs. And then you've got some profiles which are Martin Mac Vipers as well, so a couple of tungsten units to give a nice little effect as well. You've got LED light curtains which are going to look pretty amazing once they're all up and running. And some practical lights to light up parts of the window frame, to light up the window frames of the set. It's going to look pretty good. We'll be back after this. Warning, this podcast contains strong, offensive and misogynistic language that some listeners may find offensive. The name's Vert, Percival Reginald Vert, and I run the P-Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded, so if you need a police investigation, the cops will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Let's take a look at some of Madness's history. So, Madness are an English ska band from Camden Town, North London, who formed in 1976, which were one of the most prominent bands of the late 1970s and early 1980s two-tone ska revival. They continued to perform with six of the seven members of their original lineup. Madness's most successful period was from 1980 to 1986, when the band's songs spent a total of 214 weeks in the UK singles chart. UB40 shed the same number of weeks, the largest for any British group in the decade, but over a longer period. Madness have had 15 singles reach UK Top 10, including One Step Beyond, Baggy Trousers and It Must Be Love, one UK number one single, House of Fun, and two number ones in Ireland, House of Fun and Wings of a Dove. Our House was their biggest US hit, reaching number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. 
In 2000, the band received the Ivan Novello Award from the British Academy of Songwriters for Outstanding Song Collection. The band's first notable music award came in 1983 when Chris Foreman and Kay Smith won an Ivan Novello Award for the best song in the international hit Our House. Madness received another Ivan Novello Award 17 years later for Outstanding Song Collection. In 2005, they were awarded the Mojo Hall of Fame Award, notably for being an artist's artist. In 2007, a campaign took place by fans of Madness for the band to be awarded a Brit Award. Many fans and critics feel they had been overlooked over the past 30 years in the music industry. In July 2009, Madness were awarded a Silver Clef Icon Award. In September 2010, Madness were awarded Idol Award at the 2010 Q Awards in London. So here's the members of the band. So currently in the band, you've got Chris Foreman on the guitar, you've got Mike Barson on keyboard, you've got Lee Thompson on saxophone and percussion, and also BVs. Graham Suggs McPherson was the lead, is the lead vocalist. Dan Woodgate, drums and percussion. Mike Bedford on bass. And you've got former members of Chad Smith, who played the trumpet, vocals and acoustic guitar. Steve Neville on keyboards. And tour members and regular guest musicians is Graham Bush on bass. Norman Watt-Roy on bass. Paul Carrick on keyboards. James Mackey on keyboards, Terry Disley on keyboards, Seamus Bagan on keyboards, Kevin Burdett on guitar. He also had John Hassel on drums, Dickon, uh, Dickon Tulane on lead vocals, Gavin, Gavin Rogers on bass and Terry Dovey on drums. They got a nice discography, so you got their first one which is 1979, One Step Beyond, then Absolutely in 1980, Seven in 1981, The Rise and Fall in 1982, Keep Moving in 1984, Mad Not Mad on 1985, The Madness on 1988, Wonderful 1999, The Dangerman Sessions Volume 1 in 2005, The Liberty of Norton Folgate on 2009, I I Sai Sai Ja Ja Da Da on 20, in 2012, and Can't Touch Us Now in 2016. So a nice long career and some real catchy, catchy tunes. We'll be back after this. If you're a band member or an artist, dancer, singer, actor, street performer, and you're listening to this and you'd like to talk to us on our show about your uh, latest gig or your album release on uh, digital media, or even uh, want to talk to us about a student show. How about dropping us an email on musterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and we'll get you on our show. And supporting Madness is Squeeze. And Squeeze are an English rock band that came into prominence in the, U- in the UK during the new wave period of the late 1970s and continued recording in the, ni- in the 1980s, 1990s and 2010s. In the UK, their singles Call for Cats, Up the Junction and Labelled with Love were top 10 chart hits. Though not as commercially successful in the United States, Squeeze had American hits with Tempted, Pulling Muscles and Hourglass and were considered a part of the second British invasion. The vast majority of their material was composed of lyrics by Chris Difford and music by Glenn Tilbrook, who are guitarists and vocalists in the band. 
the jury were held as, their, as the heirs to Lennon and McCartney's throne during the band's initial popularity in the late 1970s. The group formed in Deptford, London in 1974 and first broke up in 1982, Squeeze then reformed in 1985 and disbanded again in 1999. The band reunited for tours through the United States and the United Kingdom in 2007. In 2010, they issued Spot the Difference, an album of newly recorded versions of older material. The band's first album of, of all new material since 1998, Cradle to the Grave, was released in, in October 2015, followed by another album, The Knowledge, in October 2017. A squeeze had been characterised as new wave, pop rock, post-punk and power-pop. Stephen Thomas Erlewine of All, of All Music proclaimed the band to provide one of the links between classic British guitar pop and post-punk. Squeeze have also been labelled as punk and pop-punk. In a January 1988 interview by Music Connection, when addressing Squeeze being thought of as a punk band, Glenn Tilbrook commented, I never thought that we were a punk band, though I thought we were influenced by it to a certain extent and their influences were rock bands such as the Kinks and the Beatles and the songwriting partnership of Difford and Tilbrook has attracted comparisons to that of John Lennon and Paul McCartney a likening of the band have expressed mixed feelings about. In addition, members of Squeeze have cited artists including David Bowie, Elvis Costello, Donovan, The Blockheads, Ian Drury, Bob Dylan, Jimi Hendrix, King Crimson and, La and Greg Lake. As sources, as sources of the of influence or inspiration, Squeeze have been cited as an influence by several bands and artists. American new wave singer Marshall Crenshaw cited Squeeze as one of the primary influences for his 1982 self-titled debut album, college rock band The Replacements. Particularly, bassist Tommy Stinson also professed an admiration for the band. Many artists in the Britpop genre also took influence from the band, particularly Blur whose guitarist Graham Coxon also called Squeeze an amazing band as one of my favourites in English singing voices. Later artists who named Squeeze as an influence include American Hi-Fi, The Caulfields, Kasabian, The Killers, Nightmare of You, Razorlight and Space. Many bands and artists would also later achieve phenomenal success would begin their careers opening for Squeeze including Dire Straits, the Jam, R.E.M., The Specials, U.T. and X.T.C. Comment members of Glyn Tilbrook on uh, guitar and keyboards and vocals, Chris Difford on rhythm guitar and vocals, Stephen Lodge keyboards backing vocals, Simon Hansen drums and percussion and BVs, Steve, Steve Smith percussion, rhythm guitar and vocals, and Melvin Duffy pedal and slap steel guitars and dulcimer. And then you've got Owen Bedell, bass and backing vocals. Here's their discography. You've got Squeeze in 1978, Call for Cats in 1979, Argy Bargy in 1980, Eastside Story in 1981, Sweets from a Stranger in 1982, Diffid and Tilbrook on 1984, Crazy Fan Tutti Fruity in 1985, Babylon and On in 1987, Frank in 1989, Play in 1991, Some Fantastic Place in 1983, Ridiculous in 
the knowledge in 2017. So now we've had a little uh, listen to some of their background. Let's uh, get onto the show and see how they performed. We'll be back after this. This podcast contains themes that are unsuitable for younger listeners and parental guidance is advised. It's been 30 years since they came. What? Who's that? Yeah, and Jordan Jazz sucks. Hold on, guys! And we're back. So, take a look at Squeezer's performance. They had the mid-stage trusses completely lowered down, so uh, it was more of an intimate gig. So all the lights are just a lot wider because they are closer to the stage. So it had a lot more beam width and it looked pretty sharp for what it was. They only had basic lights, which um, to be honest, they didn't need anything more. And um, they had a lot of very highly structured flashing trash. And when I say flashing trash, I mean uh, a lot of just random flashes of the lights, which didn't have too much structure to it, but there was. And um, what, I, what I say about the structure, they had um, most of the band completely lit up, but then when someone took a solo, all the lights on every other mo- band member, they went dark to a, like a Congo blue or a, just a dark blue or a purple. And the uh, soloist would just uh, be highlighted in yellow or white and uh, be more prominent. And it looked amazing. <laughs> I really liked it. The sound, there was so much clarity. You, you know, you could hear all the vocals and every instrument individually because the sound engineer had balanced the uh, sound rig so well. It was mixed very, very perfectly. You couldn't, you couldn't ask for a better sound mix, to be honest. It wasn't as flat as pancakes, and it would have, and it also had what I would consider a 3D sound to it. So you could actually, if you close your eyes, you could, you could feel that there was some absolute depth within the uh, sound. You could say that an instrument was left or right or center up or down if you close your eyes it's a nice little mixing trick that if you can get that right you're so spot on from the moment squeeze entered the stage right to the very end they captured the audience's attention every member of that audience were hooked upon every word that was being sung every note that was being played they were swaying, they were singing, they were dancing, they were bouncing up and down on a, on a bouncy fast song. It was good. It was very energetic to see. Both the audience and the band fed well off of each other. Now, when you consider the age of the band with the vocalist, the lead singer, his voice was perfect. It didn't sound tired. It, sound, it sounded well rested and well rehearsed and well practiced. Like, like you would if you're going down the gym all the time. His vocals were so toned and sharp and spot on. There was no straining of his voice whatsoever. And all the uh, and all the uh, band members who are also doing backing vocals. Same thing as well. No straining. The voices definitely didn't sound tired. And when you take their age as a factor, you, you could not fault them one bit. Not one bit. And what can I say? It was a massively strong performance throughout and everyone... Everyone in that audience enjoyed it. Now, when Madness started, wow, it was a good intro, I have to say. As soon as the house lights snapped down, I mean, when I said they went down, they just snapped off like that. Pure blackout. And then a VT 
came on at the uh, came on the uh, screens at the back of the stage with a classic Pearl and Dean presents advert. If you're of a certain age, you would understand what the Pearl and Dean advert is. If you've been on a cruise recently in recent in the last ten years, you'd also know because Pearl and Dean do a lot of uh, adverts on the cinema screens on cruise ships as well. But anyways, a phone box was lit up stage right, and the phone began to ring. And then as soon as the phone was picked up, the camera was switched on and what could you see inside this phone box on the screens? You could see Suggs answering the phone and talking to his mother on the phone, which his mother was probably not there. <laughs> it makes more sense that she wasn't there as he was probably just talking to himself and hamming up the fact that he'd not been working for a, for a couple of years because of various reasons and... He was like, well, today, mum, I'm working. She's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing what I love. He came bursting out of the phone box and bowls onto the stage, all confident and, and full of life and beans and with absolute coolness as Suggs would. Suggs has always been a cool person and he just oozes coolness and definitely charisma. You couldn't ask for more, to be honest. I mean, you really couldn't. And then... He, as he got centre stage, he was cheered, he gave a bit of a spiel, and then, then he went into the spiel of One Step Beyond. And as soon as the band started up, the mid-stage truss, the bars that were there for the squeeze, which had the black drape attached to him, they dropped. It was a kabuki, I didn't even know it was a kabuki, but it was. So these black drapes dropped down. And the truss went up although because it wasn't a kinesis system the bar went up slowly because it's just motor winches whereas if it was a kinesis system it would have gone straight up like a rocket but for that effect you don't need to to hire an expensive kinesis system for one effect if it was going up and down throughout the show then yeah you'd you'd definitely want a kinesis system but no this is just chain blocks that are on the motors and just went up nice and slowly and by the end of the song the truss was in position and it still looks really good they pl they planned for this on the lighting design so they didn't do elaborate movements of the lights they just kept it nice and simple whilst the truss was retrimming it's perfect absolutely perfect now you had on the set the, the set was a street and on this street you had various houses as part of the backdrop which was sat just below the uh, two main screens. And in every single window of the downstairs of the set, there was an actual screen built into the set. So throughout the whole show, you had different images of people in their living room, but these images were of were short clips from films. And one of the most noticeable ones that I noticed was the Here's Johnny scene from uh, The Shining with Jack Nicholson putting his act through the door with that real dirty grin. <laughs> it looks good actually. I mean there must have been other stuff that I uh, didn't quite pick up because I was more concentrating on the show itself but that's what I kind of noticed. It just appeared because I just like yeah I know that. <laughs> now there's a lot lots of practicals on the stage. Now practicals is a theatrical term and what that means is practical lighting effects so for example the stage had a load of lampposts and these lampposts were actually lit 
they'd come on and off, they'd flash in time to the music, so those are practical effects because it is a, it is a real thing. Lamp posts. You even had uh, practical, uh, one practical which was the entrance to the subway which was the stage left entrance which had which was lit up you had the light in the phone box which is a practical as well and this is a nice this uh, theatrical trick as well the upper windows of the uh, set were uh, made out of a gauze so that the Im the uh, image of the windows was painted on a gauze so they had some lights behind those giving a nice little tungsten glow as though people were having the lights switched on upstairs as well so a nice little lighting trick a nice theatrical lighting trick so it did feel that the uh, lighting designer and even the set designers had definitely got a theatrical background because that, those are theatrical lighting effects and they were done very well especially when they amalgamated those theatrical lighting effects within concert lighting it looked amazing and very subtle and you wouldn't even notice what you're looking at if you just if you didn't have a trained eye well a theatrically trained eye the concert lighting of the stage it it was fun to watch it was very interesting looking at not so much the flashing trash but organized flashing where it needed to be done now as for the band themselves sogs oh my god such a personality not only has he got the stage presence not only has he got the uh, TV personality presence as well but he's got the cool rock star presence that you just can't be trained in that you just can't be taught you have to naturally have that effect and ability and Suggs oh my god he has always had that he's always had it he's always had that coolness in fact if you were to put Suggs head to head with the Fonz the Fonz would lose that's how cool Suggs is and it's not put on he is just naturally a cool person and just like a fine bottle of rum he's aged incredibly well aged incredibly well his vocal ability just as good as it always has been the way how he puts his lyrics out there always been cool always been very good and unique and that is what makes a cool rock star just being unique and being yourself and he he has a very great on-stage persona, he really does. And as for all the musicians, yet again, just like Suggs, they've aged very well. They've aged very well. They've not lost a shred of themselves. They've not lost their greatness. In fact, they've got better over the years, in my opinion. They started off good. They started off very strong. And as they've uh, grown and matured into the rock stars, legends that they are, they've just not lost anything. They just got better and better over the years and you just couldn't ask for a better band you really couldn't and how did the audience react to the show well they loved it they were singing along they were dancing they are bouncing up and down when uh, the songs picked up they were swaying while they slowed down they were wolf whistling really goddamn loud you could hear it from one side of the arena to the next shouting i love you sugs and those are the men <laughs> the women oh my god they were still if they could throw themselves at him they would they would have got someone they would have got one of their friends to throw their 50 year old uh, selves over on over the mojo bay and onto the stage just to be with sugs <laughs> they loved it they absolutely loved it now during the song our house towards the end of the show 
We had an incident where you had a member of the audience get really ill and collapse on the floor just behind the mojo and uh, Suggs saw this, he saw it happen. So Suggs himself stopped the show. He's like, guys stop, someone's just uh, collapsed. Get the security, get the medic here now. Said that over the PA. As a truly professional and caring person he is, he stopped the show and did the right thing and got one of his fans the help that they needed. And uh, the radios were buzzing with activity to get this uh, guy to safety. And this guy was pulled out of the crowd by security and the medics and into the medical room. And the show had restarted within seven minutes flat. Seven minutes was on the clock. Highly professional. Highly professional. When they restarted, they didn't, re they didn't resume our house. Suggs didn't want to do that because for me personally, I feel that Suggs didn't want to give this man's um, friends or family more of a uh, bad memory by continuing the song. Uh, for, well, from restarting the song. So he went straight on to uh, his final song, It Must Be Love, and then went on to the encore. And a, a true professional and someone that loves his fans. You couldn't ask for a better show and a better showman and you couldn't ask for a better band thank you for listening if you've enjoyed this uh, podcast please hit like subscribe and share and if you haven't already done so why not check out more of our master x media podcasts the links for these are in the description below until next time guys bye for now